Welcome to this week's episode of the Running Effect with Dominic Schleter. I'm your host, Dominic. And before we get into today's amazing episode, just a quick little side note. I would greatly appreciate it if you guys like the show, subscribe to the show, and share the show with your friends. And then on top of that, give us a five-star review on Spotify. That way, the show is easier to discover for those who haven't discovered the show before. In today's episode of the Running Effect, I speak with my good friend and CEO of the show, as I like to call her, Chief Encouragement Officer, Elise Chris. She is back for her fourth appearance on the podcast. That is the first time I've ever had someone four times on the show, and I'm stoked that she's the person to break that barrier. In this episode, Elise and I catch up about everything that she's got going on. Currently, her and her team, the Byerman Track Club, are up in Park City, Utah at altitude training for the U.S. trials this year. And speaking of the trials, she has the 10K coming up on May 27th, so she speaks on her preparation for that and much more. And then we, Elise and I, dive into some more specific deep subjects such as confidence, pressure, having fun with the sport, reflection, mental health, journaling, the importance of having a strong support system, and lots more. Elise drops so many amazing, great nuggets of wisdom in this one, as she tends to do in every episode I do with her. So I hope you all are impacted by her wisdom that she shares with you in today's episode. And then just one quick little final note before I let you guys listen to the show. Elise is currently on a mission to raise $10,000 before the US 10K on May 27th for a nonprofit organization called The Hidden Opponent. This organization is a group fighting to raise awareness around student athlete mental health. So if you're financially capable, please consider donating. You can find the link in the show notes or um, find the link in Elise and personally my Instagram bio. So please go check that out. And uh, Elise definitely speaks on the hidden opponent and what she's trying to do over there in this episode. So without further ado, here's my amazing conversation with a fan favorite and my favorite, Elise Cranny. Let's get into it. Elise, welcome back to the Running Effect podcast for your fourth appearance. That's the first time I've ever had anyone four times on the show, and I'm stoked that you're the first person to do it. So welcome back to the show, Elise. Thank you for for having me back. I'm honored that you're having me on for a fourth time. I don't know. Your listeners might be getting sick of sick of my voice. I don't know about that one. See, based on the messages <laughs> I get, based on when I uh, produce episodes with you, I wouldn't think that. Everyone loves Elise Cranny, so I'm excited to have you back on the show and particularly excited to uh, be back interviewing you and not have you interview me, as fun as that was last time. <laughs> I know. We're, we're back to the OG role. Exactly. Back to the OG setup. Well, just to get started, can you give a little introduction of who you are for the listeners who maybe don't know you and your history in the sport of running, even though that's hard to uh, imagine that someone might not know who you are, but let's just say maybe there is someone out there. Can you give us a brief overview of your start in running and your running career in general? Yeah. Um, so I'm originally from Colorado. Um, I have Two younger sisters. My parents um, were really into triathlons and Ironmans growing up, so we were kind of um, exposed to, you know, running and endurance sports at a young age. And um, my grandparents also did a ton of ultras growing up too. So um, big, like <laughs> big endurance sport family. So um, just kind of being active, like again, living in Colorado, being active has always been kind of like a big, big part of my life. So. Um, grew up swimming and playing soccer and then um, got into running kind of toward 
the end of middle school um, and then got more serious about it in high school. Um, the assistant cross-country coach my freshman year, Jason Hartman, um, just kind of totally changed my trajectory of, of my running career and kind of showed me what was possible in the sport and, um, you know, helped me kind of see big goals and, like, what, what you can accomplish in the sport. So I would say he, you know, really got me got me going and running um, and then went to um, Stanford and ran there um, for four and a half years um, and then moved to uh, Portland, Oregon after that and have been with the Bowerman Track Club since um, 2019. Awesome. So speaking of the Bowerman Track Club, anyone that follows them on Instagram or any of you athletes in particular, they'll know that you guys are currently down in Park City, Utah, training for USA's, well, I guess just training in general to get fit for very particular races coming up on the calendar. So how has training been going in Park City? Yeah, I love um, being in Park City. It's like, I mean, since since I've been here, um, it's kind of where we go for like our spring and summer altitude, like leading into the championship races. So it's just nice to be in a spot where you're like, you know, very familiar with the running routes and, um, you know, the training around here and like the gym that we go to and we kind of stay in the same general area. So it's always nice to come back here and it's like, um, you know, it's like a, yeah, an indicator of like what time of year it is. Um, so it's, it's always fun to be here. Um, yeah, like I said, like, especially being from Colorado, just love altitude training, love kind of being back in the mountains and, and running on lots of trails. So, um, yeah. And as I said, it's, it's always an indicator of like, you know, really fun, big summer racing around the corner. So it's always, you know, an exciting atmosphere when, when we come to Plug City. And I feel like people are, you know, really locked in and getting excited and, and ready to race, which is a good, like, infectious energy um, among the team. Yeah, that's so, so awesome. You mentioned in your introduction that you currently live in Portland, Oregon. But the funny thing about that is, as we're kind of currently talking about, you guys, as in the Bowerman Track Club, are constantly up at altitude or constantly in a racing location. Bottom line, you're not at home too much of the year. So I'm curious to know, is it hard living away from home most of the year, or are you kind of used to it at this point? Yeah, I think I'm definitely getting used to it now. I think it's definitely in the beginning. Um, it's a bit of an adjustment. I remember, like, first joining the team, like, you know, some older people on the team actually talking a lot about that of just, you know, like, okay, they had a lot of good advice on, like, small ways to, like, you know, pack some things that, like, remind you of home or, you know, things that can kind of help altitude feel more um, homey. But I think um, it's something that, like, it's still – like even though I'm used to it it's still kind of funny when you look at the end of the year like last year for instance and I was like I was in you know at the end of the season last year when it ended in September I was like I've only been in Portland for like I think it was like less than like six weeks of the year so it's like it's still kind of crazy when you look back <laughs> like I actually haven't been here very much um what I would consider like home base right now um but yeah I think just over time um you just kind of get used to, again, like packing things that, you know, make you feel at home or, you know, better figuring out um, like how to, you know, have some of your own space. I think it's, it's like kind of a double-edged sword. It's like really special to be up at altitude. And like I said, you're really locked in and we get to do, you know, dinners as a team every night and um, 
run together every day and we're working out. And so it's like, it's a really good team environment, but I think also it's important to like still, like I've learned, like still make time to kind of have your own space. Like for me, I just know that's important for me to be able to like recharge and stuff. So like building in that time too is, is really important just when we're, you know, on the road for so long and we're at altitude for like six months out of the year. Um, so it's definitely like a, a learning process, but I think I'm getting pretty, pretty used to it now. So this year is the world champs. Last year was an Olympic year. So I'm curious to hear from a mindset perspective, is the mindset different going into a world champs year versus Olympic year, or are they pretty similar from a mindset perspective? Yeah, I would say for me, they're um, really similar. I just think any, you know, anytime there's like a global championship, um, especially like, you know, the Olympic team being my first like senior team, I think um, there's just a mindset of like wanting to get back to um, or like qualify for any of those global championships and be competing at that um, global level. So I think in some ways, I guess, like, on this on um I think the podcast that we did like after the Olympics but um it was just such a huge learning experience so I think in that way I guess my mindset is actually maybe slightly different this year going into world champs of just um things that I like want to implement in terms of like racing or in terms of like ways that I wanted to like tweak or improve my training after what I felt like I you know learned last year and learned um, from being at the Olympic Games and, like, really honing in on the um, mindset piece and, like, building confidence and, you know, seeing myself as as competing at that global level. So I think in that regard, you know, there's, like, just been a mindset shift since kind of I feel like my eyes were more open to, like, racing at this, at this global championship level. Um, but I think, you know, you still see all the, like, key players from all the other countries, whether it's an Olympic year or a world championship year. Um, so I think that's something that's really exciting to me is just like, I want to, you know, try to make that team again and really be back on that starting line um, racing against those people again. And hopefully, um, you know, having, being able to, you know, put the lessons that I learned from racing at the Olympics into practice. So I think that's been something that's really exciting. And I think I've brought with me, um, into training too, just like kind of that excitement and fire to um, hopefully make a team and improve upon, you know, my global finish at the Olympics and, you know, be more competitive um, with the top in the world. I may have asked you this question on previous podcasts, but I don't think I have. People who are listening to this podcast can certainly hear your excitement for training and excitement to be with your teammates and push each other on the track. I'm curious to hear, why do you think it's important to keep things fun? And despite being in a serious sport and a business sport, why do you think it's important to keep things light and fun sometimes? Yeah, I think I think it's so important. I think, um, I just think for like longevity and like mental health and also just like in order to be at your best, like, I think that's what I've learned. Like, um, you know, someone, um, you love your quotes and there's a quote that I like. It's like, um, take what you do seriously, but don't take yourself too seriously. And I really like that. Ooh, I love that. Um, yeah, it's, it's one of my favorites and it's, it's something that I think, um, I've had to learn cause I've struggled with cause I'm like, you know, when you, um, like have big goals and are really locked in, I think it's really easy to start to take, 
not only what you do seriously, but also take yourself too seriously. And it's just like, um, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's just running. And there's like, you know, it's, there's so much more to life, but there's also like so much that we, so many like relationships that we form so much, um, that we learn so many places that running brings us that we, you know, wouldn't otherwise have without it. And I think that's, that's really special. And I think, you know, becoming too serious and like losing sight of, um, all the incredible parts of running and, um, all the really fun parts are, um, you know, are just like doing a disservice to, to the time that we, that we spend doing it. And I think this is something, you know, if you ask anyone, um, like to look back on like, you know, a season or something like even when, you know, at the beginning when you're asking about like my start in running, it's like, I still remember, like, I might've mentioned this before, but like in eighth grade, like when I was getting into cross country of like one practice every few weeks was like running to Dairy Queen to get ice cream. And it was like, it's like those memories are like the memories in high school of like riding the bus to a meet and like, you know, playing a game with like a friend on the bus or something. It's like, those are the things that you like remember. And I feel like what gives the sport um, meaning. And so I think it's really important to like have fun with it and know that like a lot of times those are like the memories that you're going to, you know, cherish and like most remember um, cause it's what, it, what, it's what makes the like hard work and like sacrifice and dedication and like the times that are, you know, frustrating in the sport, like worth it. And those are ones to like hang on to. And I think things that you can like look back on and like, you'll never regret those like fun moments in the sport. Cause like, yeah, those are, those are what it's all about. Wow. I love that answer, Elise. You're always surprising me with incredible answers. And I feel like every time I have you on the podcast, your wisdom just compounds. Um, So you just reflected a little bit there on your career. But as you were reflecting a bit, I thought of the question, um, how, how cool is it to see, like looking at your career as a whole, how cool is it to see just how far you've come from little middle school, at least when you first got your start in the sport of running to then just this past year, making the Olympics to even this year, um, getting your first American record. How cool is it to reflect on how far you've come? It's honestly crazy. And I think, I think that's something like that we don't do enough, like even just in life in general, um, I was actually just having a conversation with my grandma on the phone earlier today and we were actually talking about this. So it's funny that you asked, but we were just talking about how it's like, I don't know. I don't think that as humans, we like stop and think about that enough. And I think that kind of goes to the fun element as well, you know, like just like celebrating and like getting momentum from seeing how far you've come. Like, I think it's really easy to um, just like be so driven and always like want more. Like that's something that I'm, that I'm still trying to work on, but the importance of like really like celebrating along the way and like looking at how far you came, because I think, um, I think too, that's something that I've tried to focus on this year. Um, that has actually like helped me build my confidence as well as I think when you look at how far you've come and you're like, wow, if I, you know, like to your point of us, like if I told you know, middle school Lisa, she'd be like making an Olympic team or setting an American record this year. Like she would be like stoked. So trying to like really um, kind of think back to like that younger version of me and be like, wow, um, you know, what, sh- what would she be thinking of that? And try to like um, really like feel those emotions in the moment, right? Like feel kind of that like awe and that like celebration and like just that like pure joy from doing something that like you know, maybe when I first got a start in the sport, like I didn't think was possible. And then I think, um, 
yeah, again, like looking back every once in a while and just like taking confidence from like how far um, you've come, because I think that can give you a lot of like um, joy and energy and momentum going forward too. And I think, you know, I think we've talked about this too. And I think you've, you know, talked to a lot of people on the podcast about this, which is like that comparison trap, which is, which is so hard. Um, But I think when you like, look back on your younger self and see how far you've come is like that that's something that helps with that comparison piece because then it's like okay I don't need to compare to anyone else like let me just try to compare to like younger version of Elise and how I've like you know uh what I've learned and how I've like grown throughout the years and how I'm like doing things that that I like you know dreamt of so many years ago and I think um, then that allows you to yeah celebrate any of those steps forward because you're seeing like the progress that you're making on on your own unique journey, which is which is really special. Mm-hmm. A quote I've shared with you before, but I really love in situations like these is comparison is the thief of joy. And I feel like when we start to compare ourselves to others, that's when it takes away from the enjoyment of what we're doing. So I really love your response on that one. And you talked a little bit about confidence in your answer. So I would love to dive a little bit deeper into that subject. I'm curious to hear how you personally gain confidence. And then additionally, what is some advice Advice you would have for someone who doesn't believe in themselves currently? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, I think the biggest thing that I've really learned, like, especially over the last year is just like, I know we talk about this a lot, but like the importance of mindset. And I think um, this is something definitely that I've like, throughout my career, I've always like, especially when like, I don't know, coming back from injuries or when you're not exactly where you want to be, I think it's really, um, it's really easy to be like, okay, I just need to get like X amount of consistent training or I need to do like X number of really good workouts and then I'll be confident. And I've just like really like seen over the last year how that is like super backwards and actually like never going to get you to where you want to go. Cause like I used to do, you know, like looking for kind of those external sources of like, okay, I just need to do a couple really good workouts and then I can have confidence, but it really is about like spending, you know, time each day to like work on the mindset piece and work on cultivating that, that confidence and, um, you know, working on identifying like the doubts or the negative thoughts. Like I think for me, um, I like to write things down. So like writing down, you know, like when doubts or negative thoughts creep in so you can like, you know, identify when that's starting to happen and then you can, you know, get ahead of it and, you know, kind of challenge those, um, those negative beliefs in your head. So you can, you know, start to have like a positive response to them or start to kind of, you know, drown those negative thoughts out and get confidence. And I think, um, again, like if you're working on the mindset is like, then you're not, you know, waiting for some external, like work out for you to get confidence from like you have to cultivate that from within first and I think a lot of that is just coming from like you know being super intentional um with your like thoughts and and belief system and kind of um like re yeah revamping like the mental piece of it and and bringing that into workouts and knowing like if you you know have that belief first is like then that's when you're going to be able to like move toward those goals and have those really good workouts and races. Um, but you can't kind of like wait and depend on those to happen first for you to, to get the confidence. Like that's what I've learned, like putting in the work first. And I think, um, you know, we've touched on this 
I know a little bit too, but like that's where it's been really helpful for me and like setting those like smaller process goals along the way or even like writing down like things that I'm doing well. Like I like to do that after a workout. It's like even a workout if you didn't, you know, finish it or it didn't go quite as well as you wanted. It's like I sit down and I write, okay, like what are three things that I did really well? Like and what's something I can learn and take away from this? Like maybe where did like a doubt or negative thought enter my head and what was that thought and how can I, you know, be prepared with a mantra or something next time to, to shut it down. So I think just kind of being more in tune with like our minds and the doubts and the negative thoughts, like oftentimes, you know, we have so many like thoughts just running through our head at one time and sometimes we don't even realize like how we're talking to ourselves. And so I think, that's been that's what I would recommend I guess is the first step is like really start to listen to how you're like talking to yourself or the negative thoughts that are creeping up and like working to try to um, challenge those or deconstruct those a bit um, so you can kind of get that positive momentum and get that that confidence moving forward and then I think that allows you to do um, really special things and accomplish things that maybe you um, you didn't think that you could do. Wow, I feel like every response keeps getting better and I really don't know how to follow these up because they're so good and I'm like, my mind's racing because it's so good. So I appreciate all of that. You mentioned journaling and how it's helped you personally uh, in the last year. I'm curious, are there any other practices like journaling that you think have contributed to you being a better athlete and amazing human being that you are? Oh, man. Um... I'm trying to think. I think, um, yeah, I think, like, journaling is the big one. Like, um, kind of, I guess, like, I've always kept a training log, but even writing kind of more about, like, being more in tune with both my body and mind, I think, in writing in my training log. So, again, you know, like, writing down, um, you know, thoughts after a workout, I even think, um trying to be, I think there's something that's helped me is trying to be, um, a bit more, um, I don't know, I guess like emotionally reactive too after like a race or a workout. So trying to take a little bit of the emotion out of it and like look at it from, you know, kind of a like higher, more zoomed out viewpoint just to like actually be able to like take away, like I said, concrete, you know, things, um, that will allow me to learn, learn and grow in the future. And so I think, um, yeah, doing a lot of like journaling and thinking on that, um, and writing in my training log. And then I know we've touched on this too, but I think, um, the mentorship piece has been really helpful. Just like being, um, a mentor to other people has like (laughs) really held me accountable in ways that I like can't even begin to explain. And I was even talking to my dad recently and like asking him something and he was just like, what would you, what would you tell like one of your mentees, you know? And it's like, that's the advice you need to take. So I think um, that's been really helpful too, of like when you can kind of um, try to give back to a sport or help other people and then think about, okay, what would I like tell someone else? So again, I think that kind of removes like some of the emotion out of it when it's yourself of like, okay, what would I like, you know, objectively tell someone else in this situation? Um, And then trying to like, channel that um for yourself because sometimes we're we're not very good at taking our our own advice so that's something that I'm that I'm trying to work on too is just like okay what would you tell someone else in this situation and how would you want them to you know handle it and can you try to try to do that and be a good example for sure 
Uh, two questions on your team front, BTC. Um, Bowerman over the past year has on, undergone some changes. I'm curious to hear how you current members have tried to maintain a strong team culture. Yeah, it's definitely been, I mean, I'd say even in the last, yeah, like 18 months, it's kind of been crazy. Even just, like I said, when I joined in 2019, like how different um, the women's team looks now. It's like, <laughs> it was even just like, um, you know, fall of um, 2021, I think we had like 12 people and now um, we, we have five. So we've, we've gotten a lot smaller, but I think in a lot of ways it's, um, been really good for team culture. I think, um, you know, it's really sad to see everyone go, like I said, just like something that's so special about running, I think is the relationships that you form and the people that you meet. And so that's been really hard to, um, you know, like not be, especially with running, it's like, and, you know, as we touched on with, with altitude and stuff, you're like, you're spending so much time training and living with these people that it's like, you know, you form um, such deep connections and friendships. So I think that's kind of the hardest part of, of the transition of the team and the turnover is just like people that, you know, I've gotten close with, like leaving the team um, has been hard. But I think um, in a lot of ways, it's been good too, just to um, kind of have a smaller team now, because I think it allows, it's allowed us to like grow closer just through like, um, people leaving and like dealing with a lot of different situations on the team. I think, um, you know, it brings you closer together when um, you're all kind of, you know, going through that together and working through the transition of, of a changing team. Um, so I think that's brought us closer together. And then I think it also allows us to um, really focus on building team culture, which I think is so important. And I think sometimes it's like a little bit harder to do with, with a bigger group. So I think this is, um has been good and like, helping us to build kind of the team culture, like from, you know, like a foundational level. Um, and I think that's, that's something that's, that's been really cool to see is just um, how we've been able to do that. And then hopefully um, continue to, to add people to the team moving forward that, you know, buy in and want to be a part of, of that like supportive team culture. Yeah, speaking more of team culture, what do you think are the biggest attributes that contribute contribute to a successful team culture? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think the biggest thing is um, like genuine investment in the people around you. Like, I think that's the most important thing is like wanting, you know, wanting to like reach your own goals, but being just as invested to want to see your teammates reach their goals and, and push, push each other to, you know, every allowing everyone to be at their full potential. And I do think that like at the root, that is the biggest, um, most important part of, of team culture. It's just like, you know, it's really hard to have that if you're um, in an environment that's like, you know, super cutthroat or super competitive where people are trying to like drop one another. It's like that you just can't really create, um, what I think is like a really healthy team culture with that. And I think, you know, that comes from like a healthy team culture from comes from wanting, you know, being invested in other people's goals. And um, I think I can't remember, I think Shalane might've said something like this. Like she's talked to us a lot about this, which is was like really powerful. It's just like knowing that like the excitement, you know, that you feel when a teammate reaches their goal and knowing that like, you know, you were a part of that. And I think that's what makes a healthy team culture is like when everyone's, you know, pushing each other and lifting one another up that like, 
you know, for example, it's like when Courtney gets her silver medal, like knowing that like for everyone on the team is like feeling like, okay, we, we played a small part in, in helping her get there. And we're, you know, just, we're celebrating that medal with her just like it was one of our own because we're so invested in, in her goals. Um, you know, just as like, yeah, like everyone is, is invested in, in everyone else's goals. And so you want to see everyone like do their very best. And I think, um, I think just that supportive environment, that encouraging environment um, is what makes a, a really good team culture. And I think, I think you've like, the guys have displayed that really well this year too. You know, like when you look at, for instance, like the indoor 5k that they did, right. Where um, Mark, Mo and Grant all broke national records and like um, a bunch of people like Sean and Evan and Kieran like got the standard and like, so just seeing them like all embrace each other at the finish line is like, you know, they're all excited for one another because they all like went out and like accomplished at the goal that they set out to on that day. And like the reason that they were able to do all those things, you know, and like, just, I don't know, seeing all of them there, like Amos and Woody and JT and like seeing, just watching that was, was really powerful. And I think they have a really um, strong team culture right now too. Um, and they're all just like really invested in, in seeing one another push each other to their best and seeing one another like reach their goals, which I think is, yeah, really special. Mm -hmm, For sure. Speaking of that men's 5k race, I think one of my favorite running photos of all time is all the men swarming each other after that race, giving each other a massive hug. I'll forever love that photo. It's so cool. And I think it encapsulates what it means to be a team and support each other. So I'm glad you touched on that. Um, This past year with your immense success, I feel like has come out with being talked about more in the media and in the outside world. So I'm curious to hear how you deal with outside sources and outside pressure. And what is some advice you would have for someone who struggles to handle pressure? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think this kind of goes back um, to what I was saying about like being aware of your thoughts. You know, I think um, it's really easy to get the narrative in your head of like, oh, like I, um, you know, like crack under pressure or like whatever it may be. And I think um, like recognizing uh, that and being aware of the narrative that you have in your head is really important. So like, you know, for me, I'm like, I, you know, really feed into the narrative of like, I, um, you know, thrive under pressure. Like I thrive in like championship style racing and I, you know, I um, am going to take confidence from the, like, quote-unquote pressure because that means that, like, people believe in me. So I think spinning it in a really positive way, like, I think there are, you know, when people hear the word pressure, I just think there are two very different narratives that you can tell yourself. And so I think um, choosing, like, the positive narrative and spinning it in a way that's like, okay, this means that, like, I'm in the conversation. Like, this means that, you know, people are believing me. People are, like, you know, seeing my hard work pay off and they, um, you know, want to see me do big things at like the championship level. And so I think um, just really spinning that narrative to be um, a positive thing. And I think also use it as, you know, positive reinforcement too, is like, okay, if you're, if that pressure is like mounting, it's like, it means you're doing something um, right. So it's like, okay, what am I doing? That's like working really well in my preparation. That's allowing me to have, you know, these races that are now like, increasing you know the number of people that are like talking about me or like counting me in for you know whatever race it is and so 
um, yeah, I think it's just, it's really about like the narrative and the story that you're telling yourself and how you kind of respond to that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. One final topic uh, to get to before we get to some fun rapid fire questions. Earlier this month, you announced that you would be trying to fundraise money for a company organization nonprofit called The Hidden Opponent. Can you take us behind this decision and um, what you're trying to do over there? Yeah, um, I think just with, um, you know, in the last several months, starting with, you know, Katie Meyer, the soccer player at at Stanford that um, committed suicide, just like the amount of um, student athletes that that had committed suicide recently, it's just, um, it's something that's just really like weighed on me and I've thought a lot about. And I think especially, um, you know, just like being in kind of that pressure cooker environment of Stanford and just like, you know, experiencing the unique pressures on a student athlete of, you know, performing well, like in your sport and in the classroom while trying to be social, like there's just, you know, so many things um, to balance. And I think um, I just, something that's really important to me is always trying to um, use my platform for some sort of good as much as I can. Um, I like remember listening to a podcast with Sarah Hall like several years ago um and she was just talking about how like you know running like having this gift of running has allowed her to have um like a much bigger platform than she would have had if she if she didn't run and how she like you know really wants to use that to like give back and help others and inspire others and that was I just remember like that being really inspiring to me and um seeing what you know what she's done and how she's given back to the sport um she's just someone that I really look up to. And I think that's, you know, it's something that I want to try to do is just like bring awareness to, um, you know, issues or topics that I'm really passionate about. And I think um, right now it's just like, that's a really like um, relevant, important issue um, right now is just like the pressures of student athlete and student athlete mental health. Um, And so I really, yeah, I really like what the hidden opponent is doing on, on college campuses to um, try to, you know, improve um, student athlete mental health. And they do, you know, advocacy work and education. And, you know, they have, um, yeah, groups on college campuses that are, that are working to do that. Um, And so, yeah, I just, I kind of wanted to do something leading up to, to the 10K. And I felt that that was, um, just like really relevant for kind of the time period we're in right now and something that I'm really passionate about. Yeah, so you have some perspective on this as being a former student athlete at Stanford. I'm curious to hear about how did you work on keeping a positive mental health when you were there? And if you could go back, would you change anything from that perspective? Oh, man, yeah. I think looking back, I would change a lot. I just think... Um, like I said, I mean, I remember, um, you know, back to Jason Hartman, my coach that I said, like, really got me into running. Like, I remember him telling me before I went to Stanford, he's like, this is going to be a great place for you if you can kind of, like, <laughs> let go of some perfectionistic, perfectionistic tendencies and kind of that, you know, type A personality and really find balance. And I remember, you know, being in the middle of Stanford and being like, this is exactly what he was talking about, like, <laughs> the pressure just like mounting when you're trying to do everything perfectly. And it's just, 
it's not possible when you're um when you're trying to like I said you know like run at, at the highest level and you're trying to um balance school and you're trying to be there for teammates and you're trying to balance like you know the social life plus just everything else that comes along with like you know family and life and things that are thrown at you and so I think um looking back is like that's something that um that I wish I would have done differently I think also um just the importance of like you know leaning on like teammates or your support system I think is um really important I have a tendency to like kind of not like open up or let people in sometimes and I think that is something that's so important with mental health is like you know really opening up to like a couple people around you and feeling that that support system because I think that goes a long way in like making sure you know you're not feeling alone or you're um you're having someone there to like you know talk you out of like that mounting pressure where something feels so big in your head but you're like you know what like I'm, I'm doing the very best I can um and that's that's all I can do so I think um yeah that's something that I wish I would have done differently is kind of leaned on um a support system a bit more and just like found a little more balance, like let go of of the perfectionism and just, you know, do things like to the best that you can, um, but not to the point where you're, you know, driving yourself um, to a point of being like, you know, miserable or putting too much pressure on yourself. Mm-hmm. Do, you you talked a little bit about why it's important to have a strong, good support system around you and people you can open up to and share your thoughts and feelings with them. Can you dive a little bit more into that and why it's important to have that system around you in life? Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, I've been thinking about it. I've had like a lot of conversations about this recently, but it's just like, I truly feel like, you know, as humans, like we're just made to like... <laughs> connect with others and belong and I think that's you know I think the a big big piece of mental health is feeling connected to others and I think sometimes you know a lot of like when people feel lonely is like when you're you know maybe not in your best mental health and so I think it's really important to have people where you can share how you feel and people that can be you know with you in in your struggles and and support you so you don't feel like you're you're going through it alone. I just think it it makes it much more bearable and I think again, I think um it's really easy in any situation to kind of become like so I don't know, narrow-minded or like all consumed with whatever um you know, thoughts or whatever's going on in your life and I think it's a support system at least for me has like helped me kind of get out of those um those times when my mind is maybe like super negative or, or focused on like the negative parts or focused on, you know, not feeling like good enough or not, you know, and I think when you have people around you, they can kind of pull you out of that and just give you perspective and show you, you know, life is, is so much bigger. And sometimes, you know, we can like blow up things in our head to be a bigger deal. And I think that's the importance of a support system and just like, yeah, feeling that like, love and connection around you, I think is, is really important. So for those who want to get involved with your fundraiser, which I believe goes up until May 27th, the day of the U.S., um, I was going to say Olympic trials, but I guess world champs trials, if they call it that, uh, where can they go? Yeah. Um, if you just search, um, like it's a GoFundMe, if you just search like GoFundMe, hit an opponent, 
um, it should pop up and then you can, you can donate on there. So yeah, there's like a little, there's like 10 days left. So trying to, the goal is to raise 10 K before the 10 K champ. So I think we're getting relatively close. So if anyone wants to, to donate, yeah, just go find me hidden opponent and it should um, pop up or they can go to my Instagram as well, which is just Elise.Cranny, and it, there's a link in my bio for it as well. Yeah, and also for anyone listening, I will also leave a link to it in the show notes so you can find it easier. So many options to go and find it and check it out and hopefully consider donating. Okay, Elise, this episode has been awesome. Definitely touched on some deeper subjects. So are you ready to end this episode on a high note with the rapid fire questions also known as the going to the well segment? Yes, I'm ready. Okay, um, and I won't share the names of people, just given that I might butcher them, and it'll make it more smooth on my end. So the first question is, thoughts on Caitlin Tui and other prodigies' ascents in the NCAA? Oh my gosh, I love following the NCAA. Um, Caitlin Tui's killing it, um, so maybe one day she can be a, a future Bowerman babe and we'll be teammates. She's someone I've followed since high school, so... I would love to be teammates with her one day. I don't know if she listens to the running effect. <laughs> I don't know. That'd be pretty cool if she <laughs> does. <in> a plug. <laughs> there you go. Um, also, on a side note from that, I'm sure you didn't see this because I found it on a very obscure account, but apparently her brother ran, and he's in eighth grade, ran 955 in the two miles. So he's making me look slow running that in eighth grade. I just am amazed by that. That is amazing. I actually did see that. I saw like two pictures of them like, which is really cute. I was like, wow, that's awesome. For like sure. Sibling sibling strength on the same weekend. Exactly, exactly. Uh, someone else asked, uh, how is it to have Carissa back as a training partner? Oh, it's been amazing. I think, um, you know, after, like, going through, you know, everything, like running together at the trials and then just doing all our training in the lead-up to the Olympics and then, you know, racing there together, um, it was like you know, definitely hard this fall to, to not have her because I feel like we got in, like, such a good rhythm training together um, and, like, switching off leads and working together. So um, it's been awesome to, um, like, since we got back from Flagstaff, um, like, in Portland and then now in Park City, it's been awesome to be to be back together. Like, I think we work really well together and push each other and, like I said, you know, can trade off leads or push one another if someone's, you know, having a better day than someone else. It's, like, um, just like sharing that that load and, um, you know, having like similar goals and like you said, similar experiences at the Olympics and walking away, you know, wanting more. It's like it's special then to be able to attack training together and in pursuit of like, you know, big goals at the U.S. level and like hopefully um, at the global level as well. That person also asked, how is Elise feeling going into the 10K championships? Yeah, I am very excited. I think, um, you know, just as I get, like, more experience with the 10K, it's an event that, that really excites me, and I'm just, con- like, continuing to learn a lot about. And, you know, like, to the, the question before, too, will just be fun to have, um, be able to race with Chris again, because now we haven't, we haven't raced since Tokyo together. So um, looking forward to that. Um, someone else asked, what is your favorite part of the running community? Oh, man, that's such a good question. I know, it's hard um, to pick one. It's really hard. <laughs> there's there's so many things. Um, 
Man, I just think, kind of going back to that piece that I was just talking about, like, I just feel like the, like, connection and camaraderie within the running community is, is really special. I think it's it's just such a unique thing. Um, and this kind of goes back even to, you know, like, the power of team, too, of just, like, how close you get from, like, you know, grinding through workouts together or doing things together that you didn't think you could do. And I think that's really, like, something that's present in the whole in the running community as a whole is like you just have such an understanding of um other people even if you haven't met them because it's like you know you know that people like at any level of of running at any age or you know pushing their body um to do their very best and they're like you know grinding through hard workouts or hard sessions and you know trying to be their very best in a race so I think just like the connection that you you know can feel through running of all kind of knowing just like that magical feeling of like running and pushing yourself and working together is, is something that's really special. Okay. Three more questions. Uh, the first one is uh, favorite cereal. Oh, Oh, fruity pebbles for sure. You know what? I don't know if I've ever had fruity pebbles. I mean, I probably have, but I don't really? remember what they taste like. So I'll, I'll have to, I'll have to buy them next time I'm at the store considering they're at least cranny certified. Oh my gosh, you have to go get a box of Fruity Pebbles. <laughs> They're the best. They're so good. Okay, um, someone else asked, what are your favorite things to do up at altitude? Oh, that's a good question. Um, Other than come on the I running like effect, to... of course. Yeah, that's, that, that definitely tops the list. Um, and then I really, um, I like reading a lot. Um, Marielle Hall really got me into reading at altitude she is just like always reading books and she has like a really long list of ongoing recommendations so i'm always trying to to make it through books and make it through a lot of her recommendations and then um i kind of touched on this but like being um up at training camp and just like having team dinners and like cooking together something that's really fun just because sometimes in portland when people are living in different places it can be a bit scattered um so like cooking together having those team dinners and then we usually um you know we'll try to find like Vanessa and I usually we've um lived together the last couple camps and we like usually try to find um an altitude show so like that's something fun to look forward to at the end of the day is just like going through a show um like as a team or with a couple other people so yeah those are some highlights and the last rapid fire question the only one from me that i will ask you is what is your go-to cold stone order that people need to know <laughs> yes i love this question uh peanut butter cup perfection i uh, i always i actually we i was thinking of you we just went um for chris's birthday at the beginning of may we went to cold stone and i was like I should branch out. I should try something new, but I just, I can't not order some better <laughs> perfection because I feel like I know how good it is. So I'm always afraid if I try something new, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna regret it. So peanut butter cup perfection is my, is my go-to. Love to hear it. Well, Elise, it is always a pleasure having you on the podcast. I am certain that this will not be your last time on the show and I'm excited to get you more on in the future because you bring so much light and inspiration to so many people's lives through these podcasts. So again, thank you so much, Elise, for coming on the show and I'm ecstatic for you to race in 10 days. So excited for all of that, but thank you for coming on the show today. 
yeah, thank you, Dominic. Thanks for having me, as always. Um, always love being on The Running Effect, so thanks for bringing me back. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Running Effect. If you enjoyed it as much as I did, please like, subscribe, and share with your friends. You can also give us a five-star review on Spotify. That way, people who haven't discovered the show can discover the show more easily. You can also follow us on Instagram. I believe our username is The Running Effect. And then we also have a Strava club called The Running Effect Podcast. If you want to join and be with some fellow Running Effect Podcast fans, share some miles with each other. So I hope you all are doing well. I hope your running is going well. I hope your life is going well. I hope to catch you all in next week's episode. So God bless you all.